control our title graphics. Hey everybody, this is Jeff DeBerter, Chief Technology Evangelist. We're here at Rackspace Technology. On the road, folks, I'm coming to you live from Boston, Massachusetts today. Snowy Boston. Holy cow, I'm not in Texas anymore. There's snow outside that window. Uh, it, it's, it's cold. The wind is blowing. These are things I'm not used to as a Texan, but uh, we'll power through. But now I'm coming to you live from the lovely, uh, where am I? I'm in a residence inn here in uh, downtown Boston, Massachusetts. So very glad to be with you today. Hey, doesn't matter where I am. Doesn't matter if it's snowing. Doesn't matter if the sun is up. If it's Tuesday, well, I'm here to bring to you some amazing content, folks. As you know, this all this program is part of our thought leadership program here at Rackspace called Solve. And I'm so glad that you're here today. So if you would do me the favor, some of these things still don't change. I'd love for you to introduce yourself. Tell me who you are. Tell me where you are, because you're going to get the opportunity to be a part of the conversation. Hey, first person's here. We're glad that you are. And uh, introducing yourself quite nicely. And Josh put him, or um, Daniel put him up down there. Uh, and so if you want to get a hold of us, folks, maybe even outside of communicating or talking to us during the program here today, well, I'd love for you to send an email over to us at solve at rackspace.com. comes to the whole production team. Daniel gets it. Megan gets it. I get it. Uh, if you've got any feedback for us, you want to bring us uh, you know, any, uh, any ideas for a show, maybe you've got the criticism you want to bring. We'd love to hear that as well. Um Hey, looks like K. Uh, so um, Taib is here with K and H Global IT Solutions. Glad that you are here. Hey, he's got information. Looks like Taib is selling today. Glad that you're here. All right, and Todd's here. Todd's just down the hall. I'm here in Boston with Todd. So our conversation today, as you've seen, as uh, registered as part of this event, whether you're coming to us on YouTube or they're coming to us on LinkedIn. Hey, Michael's back. Glad that you're here. Uh, is uh, is all about, in fact, the, these last um, Tuesdays of the month tend to fall into the whole topic of technology focused in and around the healthcare vertical. And today is no different. Uh, so I have brought back my partner in crime from the chief technology office. Uh, we, we have got Vinesh Kulpa here. He is uh, just, he's got years of experience in both the healthcare industry as well as, of course, super brilliant when it comes to the technology. And, uh, and then we've also brought along Josh Stern. Now, Josh is the chief revenue officer over at Vatica Health. And the topic we're going to get into today is exploring the benefits and challenges a value-based healthcare in this digital age. But before we do that, I've got to call out Julie here as well. Normally, Julie is looking after us as part of the office of the CTO here at Rackspace. Julie, I'm so glad that you are here. Uh, she is chief of staff over there, just crushing it. Uh, John Deegan, another person who I'm here in Boston with is here. We've got Ian here and, uh, and Phil. Phil, I'm so glad that you joined us here today as well. All right. Well, enough of the preamble. Let's get into the topic because I'm super interested to learn more. And I know you are about value-based healthcare. So let's bring up Vinesh and Josh onto stage. All right. And here's everybody. So Josh, it looks like you've got a winter wonderland, not unlike my own here in Boston. I am used to the winter wonderland. I know you're a Texan. I'm a Connecticutian, so used to this, although we've had a pretty calm winter and nice plug for a residence in by you, Jeff. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Uh, so, Josh, uh, you know, you're uh, chief revenue officer over at Vatica Health. First of all, tell us what is a Vatica Health? What is what is the focus? And then tell us a little bit more about your day to day. 
Yeah. So as you said, I'm the chief revenue officer at Vatica Health. We're tech-enabled services, and we really sit kind of between providers and health plan insurers or more broadly at-risk entities. And we focus on risk adjustment and quality of care, which we'll get into for those of the people that that don't really know that. But those are two of some of the most highest weighted factors and variables in order to be successful in in value-based care. Very good. All right. Thanks so much. And Vinesh, you are no stranger to the program, but why don't you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit more about what your day-to-day is like here in the uh, uh, Chief Technology Office at Rackspace, but maybe a little bit more about your background. Sure, um, uh, Jeff, you know, excited to be here and excited to have Josh here, who's been a mentor and a friend. You know, we worked uh, uh, at uh, HMS before, uh, you know, a couple of years now, but uh, I'm grateful uh, that he's here. My background, again, with um, uh, Rackspace now for a couple of months, you know, working in the office of the CTO, helping us advance in the healthcare, uh, you know, sector of things. And then also uh, prior to that, about 22 years working in healthcare, you know, across uh, payers, providers, and then cost management companies. Uh, so excited to be here. So glad that you are. Okay, now a topic today, of course, as I've mentioned, is uh, it is all around value-based healthcare. So before we can get into talking about the benefits and challenges of it, I think we should define exactly what it is. So maybe we'll give each of you a shot at this, but Josh, I'll start with you. Value-based healthcare, you're in the business. What does it actually mean? So, you know, healthcare, we love our terms and, you know, the terms take on a life of their their own. So I, I think it's a good question. So I'll try and define it as simply as possible. So value-based healthcare is nothing more than a shift, right? And I, I use the word shift, which we'll get into, which is important, from incentivizing and paying providers based on the service they deploy, so the number of services they deploy, and shifting to more rewarding and incentivizing for the outcomes they achieve or the efficiency by which they achieve. And I think framing is helpful here. So, um, you know, a few metrics, right, which I think speak to the why. U.S. spends around 18% of our GDP on healthcare. We spend $4 trillion and around $13,000 a person. So that's projected to continue to ramp up. So obviously a problem to solve because it's not sustainable Um, and value-based care and the shift to value-based care is viewed as a way to help solve and and quell that problem. Super interesting. All right, Um, Vinesh, you're the one who who said, hey, Jeff, we should talk about value-based healthcare. So so how do you define it? You know, Josh did an amazing job there, right? I think simply put, it says, look, you know, if you um, pay for five things, you know, and it takes you 10 things to keep a patient healthy, you don't get yeah. paid for the other five. Now, that's a very financial way of looking at it. But it's really, you know, it's it's the shift from fee-for-service to, or volume to value. And it's a new model which states that, you know, the dollar allocation that the market is prepared to pay for healthcare in America should be based on who, you know, who, who provides the most value at the best uh, uh, quality and the best outcome. And really what that tends to do is put the payer, the provider, and the consumer on the same side of the table mm. where they are incentivized to drive uh, better outcomes for the patient and then share the economic incentives with both the payer and the provider. So it's really this, this, this shift that we are seeing. And it's not new, right? We saw this bundled payments 10 years ago. These these things have evolved. And, uh, you know, we like to, like Josh said, we like our acronyms. So they, they, they come up with these things every few years so. 
Well, I love how you put that, uh, it, moving from volume to value. And, uh, and it really is, I would think, a pretty substantial shift, especially on the provider side is really rethinking, you know, what, what are their practices look like? What, is, what does their care look like? And now driving more towards, you know, what is the value that we're driving out of that? But we're talking about this from the, the, the benefits and the challenges. So obviously, Vanessa, you also pointed out the fact that it puts the pair, the provider and the patient that's a lot of alliteration in uh, all, all driving towards the same thing. The, um, you know, ultimately the patient wants to be healthy. They want to be, uh, you know, they don't want to have the disease. They don't want to be unhealthy. And it puts them aligned with a provider who's going to be able to do that and make sure that that, and that, that provider is getting paid and compensated appropriately for it. But Josh, as we think about the chief revenue officer over at Vatica, you know, how has that shifted um, you know, or influence how you guys are operating as a, as a business? Yeah. I, so when there's any disruption industry or there's a major, there's usually an event, right? As Vinesh mm -hmm. mentions, you know, value-based care is not new. I think the uptick and the acceleration of value-based care is really why it's so prominent and prevalent in the news. And I think part of that and the undercurrent is COVID. So when COVID hit, people stopped going into the office. They hunkered down procedures, surgeries, proactive health care. Everybody just stopped. And the reason why that's important to understand is in the traditional fee-for-service model, right, which we're working to shift from to value-based care in, in our country, right, volume equaled revenue. When there was no volume, it put a major stress on independent physicians, medical groups, hospitals, and that became the inflection point and the accelerator to really understand, okay, this is real. I have to think about doing things differently. This is not going away. And it really became, you know, the match, if you will. And you started to see that in CMS too. So CMS has just rolled out the ACO REACH program, which is highly, highly anchored to value-based care um, from a provider standpoint. So CMS is always a very good proxy for the different models that they're experimenting with because it's showing, you know, showing their cards, so to speak, of where they're trying to shift everybody. Um, and there's a bunch of stats out there by, you know, 2030, they hope 80% of Medicare Advantage members or Medicare members overall are in some sort of value-based care arrangement. Okay. Um, more specifically at Vatica, because we sit as middleware or bridges between payers and providers, this has really created a, a new concentration and need for transparency of data, technology, access to information. So both parties, you know, Vinesh mentioned this in terms of trying to align the stakeholders within healthcare, at-risk entities, providers, members, the same view into the data so everybody can build trust, right? I think change is really hard. Some of the barriers to change is trust and feeling like everybody's at the table with the same information and partnering together so everybody is win-win-win. You know, the old adage in a negotiation, if somebody feels like they truly lost, nobody won. Um, that's really the juncture that we're in right now. Got it. You know, talk a lot in technology about the fact that the technology tends to be the easy part and the hard part really becomes getting, you know, individual buy-in into whatever that new technology bit is. And as we go through this transformation uh, into value-based healthcare, it's interesting that you talk about the, the biggest challenge being in and around trust. 
gets back to are the individuals feeling like their needs and their uh, well, their needs are really being met, whether it's uh, any of those three in the arrangement. But let's dig into the, the digital part of all of this. How is technology helping to, to advance this? So Vinesh, maybe over to you. Where does technology fit into this and how are maybe those, even those three different constituents, the, the patient, provider, and, and payer, you know, how is it impacting each of those? You know, again, um, firstly, I would like to, you know, shout out a few of my ex-bosses are here. Kim. We've got some friends. Phil, you know, from HMS. So thank you for joining. Um, so, you know, from a, from a uh, digital health standpoint, again, uh, Josh mentioned COVID, right? So, um, you know, as uh, I like to say, you know, COVID was the biggest accelerator that we saw, you know, in, which, which was uh, accelerator for technology there, really. And we saw this huge uptick, right? I think I read something like 4,000% increase in telehealth uh, visits, right? And, and, and you know, we, we, now that's become a norm. So, if you know, when you look at telehealth, you know, I look at it from three standpoints, right? One is the, you know, the synchronous, like the one we are in now, right? Yeah. And the second is really uh, the store and forward. So, imaging, right? Now we are able to exchange images, uh, which require a different uh, infrastructure. It requires a different uh, multi-cloud approach to it. And then last but not the least, you know, it's the remote patient monitoring, right? It's around how do we keep the pe people at home? So, you know, the uh, the whole thing around from hospital to hospital, right? It's all about, um, you know, the digital front door, but also we need to realize where does that digital front door lead to, right? Yeah. So it's really all about um, leveraging these, um, you know, these uh, remote uh, technologies, and it's not just one technology. I like to say that, you know, it's really a convergence of technologies, right? So it's AI, uh, you know, I, I, this, the famous quote, right? It's not that the doctor is going to, you know, the AI is going to replace the doctors, but doctors who use AI are going to replace those who don't. So it's really that convergence and the, the, uh, uh, the, the drive towards, you know, just accuracy as well, right? Because, yeah. you know, if you're using these devices, you know, how accurate they are. I, I read somewhere the other day, it was saying, well, you know, there's a AFib machine, which is around 67% accurate. Well, if I'm in an ICU, I'm not going to rely on that. You know, I'm not going to be too comfortable with that, right? And uh, no clinician is actually going to base a change in practice based on that data. So yeah. it's really those challenges, but also the convergence of technologies in my view. Yeah. So, so Josh, maybe over to you. How you know? Obviously, technology plays a big part in in the things that you're doing. Data plays a big part of it. We're going to go down the rabbit hole shortly, maybe even deeper into data. But you know, maybe over to you. How is technology, both the the benefits and the challenges of it, you know, impacting what you guys are up to at, at Vatican? Yeah, I think I think for anyone, right? Technology is obviously an accelerator. It solves a lot a lot of problems, but you really need to know what to point it to, right? Like technology is a deployment and a vehicle, if you will, or a delivery mechanism. But if you don't know what you're trying to solve, you, you get into this circular vortex, right? And like, we talk a lot about that, you know, at our organization in terms of product development and rolling out products. And I think it's very easy. It's like, oh, if we just had this technology, we could do this. It's like, well, step back. What are you, what are you really trying to solve? And Vinesh gave some real practical use cases within COVID, right? Telehealth obvious practical vehicle of technology, right? People can't go into the office. So how are you going to render services, get a multi-modality platform with, you know, audio visual synchronicity, right? Things like that, obvious patient remote monitoring. So it's 
how do you think about solving the problem first? And, and, you know, maybe in a bootstrapped way or an entrepreneurial way, prove the thesis and the outcome and then wrap and shop for technology to create scale, if you will. Um, so that's how we think about it. And we think about it as kind of a, additional ways to scale, access to data, putting everybody at the table with the same visibility, more real-time results, right? I think one of the things that you hear a lot in healthcare is you don't really know how you're doing until like a year from now. How can you get better and self-reflect and look at what you're doing making an impact if you don't know if that impact (laughs) has moved you up into the right, you know, until a year later? This episode of Cloud Talk is sponsored by Cisco App Dynamics. Technical environments are getting more complex, and Cisco App Dynamics is helping to cut through the noise. Their full stack observability solutions help make every tech decision a business decision and keep everyone all on the same page. App Dynamics software enables deeper understanding of both user and application behavior so that your teams can see share, and take action all in real time. Just go to appdynamics.com to learn more, schedule a live demo, or even start a 15-day free trial to see the difference for yourself that Cisco App Dynamics can make in your mission-critical applications. All right, with that, let's get back to the program. Yeah, a year is a pretty long buffer time to to know if you've made a right turn, whether you've gone left or right, if that's if that's creating creating a, a benefit to it. So, so what's keeping from those, that feedback loop being tighter? Is it access to data? Is it just the response of, uh, of, of uh, folks changing their business models, providers changing business models? What is it that's making that feedback loop be so long? Yeah, so it's, it's the typical things I think you see in most industries, right? When you're, when you're going through disruption, there's a, a bunch of disparate systems, there's lack of standardization. You know, I emphasized the word shift earlier. We're in this yeah. shift to value-based care, right? So there's multiple complex contracts and dynamics between at-risk entities and providers, right? Uh, you know, health systems, the CEO of a hospital now is basically a mini insurer. So people are taking on different risks. There's upside only, there's downside, there's global risk. So I don't think we want to get too far into that dynamic, but based on where you are in the paradigm, you have either infrastructure set up or lack thereof. You don't have kind of the real insight of large data sets to understand if something is working or not working. And you don't really know how that is influencing what you've just taken risk on until later on. So it's a confluence of things. And then, you know, throwing the fact, you know, just from the core system that most health systems and providers use are electronic medical record systems, right? So EMRs, there's all sorts of different EMRs. There's different instances within the same EMR with different modulars, right? So it's just everybody's doing different things at the at different times because there's this shift of standardization. Right. So really great call out the fact that we that we, we haven't arrived there. We're in the process of the transformation. There are a million moving pieces and a lot of those pieces are behind different software, I'll call them walls. Uh, and even once you get inside of one, there are multiple uh, it, it, points of inflection as well that, that, that create that challenge. But yeah, then, yeah, if I could just, and add in yeah, the yeah. behavioral component, right? Like, oh. 
people. Providers go to medical, yeah, providers go to medical school to be diagnosticians, right? To take care of their patients. And then now they're being asked to do a different things, very important things, but different things, not necessarily what they were trained to do. And then take us as consumers, we largely consume healthcare very reactively, not proactively. And that's a big component of what value-based care is trying to do, which is shift the behavior, not only from a clinician and provider standpoint, but oh, but also from a member standpoint. How do we consume healthcare and be proactive in taking care of ourselves? Um, you know, rather than we get sick or something hurts and then we render a service. Well, it's a great point. Yeah. We know the old adage, you know, an ounce of prevention for versus a pound of cure. So how do you change behaviors in in from a patient point of view, from an individual? How do you get them to be, you know, like me, I just took my vitamins. I did my exercise today. These are the things that that ideally are going to keep me out of uh, out of a hospital at some point or at least delaying that as much as possible. Yeah, I think some of it's time, right? Some of it's time. Some of it is generational. Um, you know, I think people aging into Medicare now, for instance, um, are very used to technology, right? I, I think there's going to be a real need and standardization of multimodality in terms of getting care in the home, choosing to get care in the home because maybe it, you don't need it, but you want to solve for time or going into the office. Um, but the real answer, right, it keeps coming to value-based care. So value-based care incentivizes efficient outcomes and deploying the right services at the right time. So yeah. providers are going to be incentivized to outreach to the population that they're responsible for. And that outreach, whether it's, you know, member engagement, hey, Jeff, you know, you haven't had a physical in two years. It's time to schedule a physical and here's why it's important. Things like that will just yeah. change in time. Because at the end of the day, incentives drive behavior. Very good. So, yeah. and, you know, sorry, go ahead. No, you, you, you obviously, have, yeah. uh, I want you to add in. No, uh, this is like uh, Jeff said, uh, uh, you know, Jeff, like Josh said early on, you know, we can talk all day about this. But really, you know, the reimbursements is another piece, right? For example, you know, remote patient monitoring, right? Medicare doesn't pay for it. So when you're taking full capitation risk, you know, how do you, again, incentivize the patient to, you know, be healthy like that? whole progressive model, right, for cars, the better you drive, you know, the lower your premiums, you know, the more healthy you are, you know, will your premiums could be. So there, there could be some new, and there are, I know, uh, changing models on how, how to incentivize the, the member and also uh, of obviously behaviors and how do you meet the member where they are, right, the whole yeah. social determinants of health aspect. Because, I mean, I was looking at zip codes, you know, in Dallas, there's a zip code where the life expectancy is 57 years. You know, three, three, about three miles down, it's about 83 years. Really? So there's a 27 year, you know, life expectancy gap just based on zip codes and the whole population and communities there. So, so really it's a, it's, it's, it's a convergence of all of those factors that will drive, you know, the you, on a key, you hit a key thing. I think for the first time, you're really starting to see the system, if you will, right? The government understand healthcare just doesn't only take place in the office for the rendered service, right? You hit on social determinants of health. That's a fancy way of saying, does somebody have a car? Can yep. they get to where they need to go to get healthcare? Does somebody have a house to sleep in, right? Obviously you can't keep somebody healthy if, if they don't have a roof to sleep in in the Northeast. So I think there's a real understanding, right? You hear total cost of care, you hear population health, you hear consumerism. 
All that means is just the broadening view that healthcare doesn't just happen face to face with your doctor in the office. It's really a whole kind of view of how does one get the right funds, the right assets, the right support, the right education to truly be healthy, which ultimately drives what you know, I started with in terms of those framing metrics of you know, 13,000 per person, $4 trillion, 18% of GDP, it starts to kind of plateau that cost curve. Wow, super interesting. Obviously, we could use a few more hours to truly unpack all of this. But, uh, you know, I want to wrap this up uh, as we hit towards the top of the hour. But know that that uh, as, a, as generally speaking, a consumer in this space, it sounds like just the right thing to have happening. I love the fact that we're measuring providers and such not based on the amount of things they can crank through the machine, but the amount, the quality of the lives of the, that they're helping to create in uh, the individuals that they have been entrusted to care for. That's the right thing to do, but it also helps, you know, empower us as individuals to to take ownership uh, of that as well and to make our providers maybe their job a little bit easier. When we think about, you know, wearables or we think about other ways to track our health in a digital construct and making that data available to the system to be able to um, help guide and care for us as individuals, but also as communities. Josh, you make an amazing point. It's really hard to keep somebody healthy if it's a snowstorm and they don't have a roof over their head. So there, there are some really interesting real world challenges to be dealt with here. Uh, but uh, but back to the Vinesh's point from really early on, and I think he mentioned it when we visited last month, and that is AI or tech, I'll just even say technology at large is not going to take over and put uh, providers out of business. But those that do consume it will maybe be the ones who survive uh, this this transformation to a value-based, digital-enabled construct. So, gentlemen, thank you so much for being a part of the program today. Uh, it, it's, uh, it's always fascinating to go down the rabbit hole into a specific industry like this uh, and see how technology is enabling it, how in some cases it could even be a, an impediment, but where the opportunities are, and in this case, to increase the quality of all of our lives and maybe drive down that $13,000 per individual uh, down to down to 12, 11, 10. And that could, Josh, I'm, so real quick, last question, Josh, how much of that is personal responsibility in being, hey, I have a Bostonian here with me, um, uh, to helping driving that number down, making sure that I get my physicals, making sure that I take my vitamins, making sure that I am uh, getting the exercise that I need? I think a lot, right? It's, it's everybody chipping in um, and viewing healthcare as a consumed service, just mm. as, you know, these are probably bad comparisons, but it, to start to think this way as a consumer, the same way you shop for clothes, right? And you yeah. decide on value. And there's obviously things that need to come into play in terms of price transparency and, and what you're going to get in terms of a quality outcome. But it, it's starting to shift the mindset of becoming more proactive, which change is always hard and time is hard to find. But you know, it, it's a cultural shift across the board, you know, through all stakeholders. Indeed it is. All right, gentlemen, thank you so much for being a part of the program today. And uh, folks, next week we have a great episode I want to just do a quick call out for. And that is it's the first Tuesday of the month. And you know what that means? It's Women in Tech Tuesday. But we're heading into March. And every guest uh, during the month of March is going to be an amazing woman who's doing incredible stuff inside of tech. So you're not going to want to miss us next week. We have Sarah Hollingsworth. Now, Sarah is she's a, she's an, uh, an old school racker from years ago. But she 
she went on to become a founder of what's becoming quite an amazing, successful data-driven uh, business. So you're going to want to be a part of this next Tuesday. So look, look for that event on our LinkedIn page over at Rackspace and uh, make sure that you're here next week. But otherwise, Josh, thank you so much for taking time out of your day. And, uh, and Vinesh, always good to see you. And by the way, when we come back together for healthcare next month, end of the month, Vinesh and I will be live in Nashville. If you're going to the uh, event out there, uh, at the Rise event out there, uh, look for us. We'd love to see you. All right, everybody. For Rackspace, my name is Jeff Deverter. I'm the Chief Technology Evangelist here. And we'll be back next week with another episode of Cloud Talk Live.